Well, hello. I'm Dennis Pust. I'm from the District Office for the Christian Missionary Alliance, and it's great to be back with you today, and uh, wonderful to be here on a day such as this. So uh, this is, is the beginning of a new era and the end of another, right? So uh, just the transition's been happening, and it's so good to be here and to see many of you and uh, to be back with you. Uh, I, first of all, I'm just going to give a few introductory comments here, and then we're going to proceed with uh, what we call an installation. Sounds like we're going to put an appliance in, but uh, we uh, see this as a sacred moment and an opportunity for us in a number of ways. But before I, I say a few things about that, let me just give thanks to Steve, Pastor Steve uh, Ignash, for his role as uh, your interim over these 14 months. Thank you, Steve. Uh, we so appreciate Yeah, let's give him a hand. That'd be appropriate. <clears throat> He's going to come and say a few, a few words as well, and we'll have opportunity to have a few others express that thanks. And then uh, there is a potluck afterwards for all of this that's happening today as well. So I uh, hope you'll stay for that. Uh, but thank you, Steve. You've done a marvelous job of uh, leading this congregation in some very tenuous times, we might say, right? And uh, not just a normal transition with COVID and all of that that's been happening. So uh, it's not, it's a pretty daunting thing for any pastor these days, and especially for an interim to step in and sort of do double duty on all of these different kinds of things. So really appreciate that. I also want to just express thanks to the leaders of this church who have stepped up during this transition. Uh, thank you for those of you maybe that have not been in leadership prior, but you've stepped into some role of ministry or some leadership role during this time to help out and step up. And boy, we really, really, really appreciate that. Uh, and also, just to all of you for hanging in there. Uh, this has not been an easy time, and it's uh, transitioned and all of that. And for you to hang in there and keep coming and being part of this in however way that that has worked for you over these months, uh, we really, really want to extend our thanks to you for your prayer and your persevering uh, and remaining faithful in the midst of uh, this, this transition. So, uh, praise be to God for what he's done among you, right? And we're going to reflect on that in just a bit as well. But I want to just outline for you where we're going and why we do an installation. Uh, first of all, just to talk about why we do an installation, it really is an opportunity for us as an act of worship, sort of a sacred opportunity for us to celebrate the faithfulness of God in leading your church through a tough transition and now to a new uh, opportunity that lies ahead. And God is to be praised for that. He's been at work among you in unique ways and in all kinds of special ways through the hard, the good, bad, the ugly, all that has happened in a transition of any sort like this. And uh, we want to praise God for his faithful hand uh, upon you in leading you and guiding you. And this gives us an opportunity simply to reflect that back to him in worship. It also uh, gives us an opportunity to make a commitment before God that we will honor our new pastor in relationship with him. And it gives us that opportunity today to just before God say, we're going to enter into a relationship with our new pastor and his family in a way that honors God and honors them and lifts them up and encourages them. Uh, and so we'll have some opportunity to do that in a bit as well. Uh, it also gives us an opportunity to affirm before God that we recognize he raises up people to serve as pastors and leaders in, in our churches. And we want to recognize in worship before God today 
that uh, this is an act of his hand of provision for you as a church in bringing Scott and Monica and their family to you. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 that God gives gifts to his church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. So we believe that God has raised them up and placed them here, and I'm sure you do as well, and we're excited about that, and we want this to be in recognition of God as we worship him for doing that. Uh, So it really is a sacred event today. And it's not just a celebration, it's actually an act of worship to say, God, we see your hand in all these ways. So the way we're going to move forward is Pastor Steve is going to come, and uh, he is uh, going to lead us in uh, just a few words, uh, uh, his final words with us, but also to uh, lead us in some celebration of what God has been doing among you. And some of you, I think, are prepared to, to uh, share that as well. And then um, bring a charge to you uh, as well as a congregation. Uh, and then I'll come back up and bring a charge to Pastor Scott, and we'll conclude our time with hearing a response from him and then praying for he and Monica and their family. So uh, I'm going to turn it back actually to Kim to come and help us just first of all celebrate Steve's role among us and then we'll move forward from there. Thanks Dennis. Um, See so you know if you're going to talk about Steve I'm probably not the best person because I have given him more grief than probably anyone else in this room. But uh, yeah, (laughs) but all in love. Um, So, you know, we've been on this path for 20 months and Steve has been on this path with us for 14 of it. And we have not been the easiest group to work with. I think we all have to kind of admit that Um, because we get a little stuck in our ways, but he hasn't allowed us to rest in our dysfunction. So, you know, Steve, thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done, all that you've put up with, all you have pushed us to do, even when we kind of didn't want to. So, thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, to, to Ned, Dennis's and Kim's point, being the interim isn't always, uh, isn't always easy work. Getting your feet on the ground and, you know, hopefully having a chance to earn trust and to earn respect in the congregation is stuff we talk about at Vital Church a lot, right? Just because, just because you've flown in to be the pastor here doesn't immediately mean people are going to trust you or follow you or necessarily even like you. Um, but thank you for offering me the opportunity. I do think it's a, a sacred role to be a pastor of a church, and it doesn't work without cooperation. You know, you need, you need good leadership to be a pastor, but like you, you need a room full of people, you need a congregation full of people who will come alongside, who will labor for the Lord's outcomes with you to really make a church. So thank you guys very much. Um, I'd also like to recognize, I mean, very obviously, but, you know, I'm a pastor, so I bring this stuff up, but, like, God's hand in sustaining us through all of these challenges. 
was 20 months ago to the day that Bud preached his last sermon here and stepped out of ministry. And in the last 20 months, we've gone into redevelopment, you know, had pastoral transitions, gone through COVID, video services, and all the while ABC is like, hey, no big deal, we're still here. <laughs> Can't scare us. So that's a testimony to the perseverance of the folks in this room. Uh, one of the metaphors I use for what it's like to be a pastor is it's kind of like being a conductor in a symphony, right? I mean, you're, you're to lead, you're to build a rhythm, you're to get harmony, but at the end of the day, the conductor can't even attempt to play all the instruments. He can't even really try to play one outside of his own role. So without that teamwork and communication and, you know, vision moving forward, this wouldn't have happened. So thank you guys again. Uh, in that it's uh, one, one thing that I, I wish we could have done a little more of, and I feel like COVID kind of got in the way in this, usually after the season of summits that we walked through and seeing ourselves grow into a new place, it's usually a time with the congregation where we're able to start to look back and see where we've come from and then where we're at right now. You know, the one of the blessings for us was we got all our summits done before COVID hit, but I don't even know that we had the final report done before COVID hit. We didn't even sum up our findings. So we've been a little short on, you know, having a season to reflect on that. And in light of that, I've asked a few of our leaders who've noticed things that our congregation has grown in in the last 14 months just to come up and, and give us a, a couple little notes as we reflect on this season. So. You want to come on up? Don't be scared. I have the good stories, but I'll save them for later. Um, I came here in 2015, and I came from a turmoil and from a church that now is dead. There's still 20 people going there, and that's it. When I was leading the church, there was over 200. My concern when all this happened and when Bud stepped down and, and, you know, I knew nothing. I came from a community church. The church ran itself, hopefully under God's leadership. But to have a CNMA and a leadership and what do you mean we got to go into redevelopment and what right does Dennis Poost have to tell us anything and that kind of stuff. But what I saw was that the church stuck together. And I think that has to do with God. Everybody, the... the uh, Transition team, uh, you all ought to be standing up and celebrating you for what, the work you did, the time you put in, uh, the way you helped us to self-reflect. Uh, earlier in the service, earlier service, I said something about we were like a whole bunch of trains, and our tracks were going, and the transition team, and Pastor Steve, and Dennis Poost, and God mainly God, put us back on the track, and now, Scott, what are you going to do with this, with that train? So. Okay, so Steve told me that I was supposed to say something that changed in me or in the church during this transition. So, something that changed in me um, that conflict book, 
huge in my life. Um, I am an evasive, defensive responder. And if anybody had come up to me, and I wish Lori were here, because if somebody would come up to me on a Sunday morning, I would snap and run away. Those are my things. That was my go-to. Now I've gotten to a point where I can say, okay, deep breath. Let's move forward. Huge in my life. My husband has commented on the difference that he's seen. Um, As a church, teamwork. Teamwork. So when I first heard about the transition team, I read the paperwork and I went, whoa, I do not get this. This is so over my head. I, mm, mm, nope. And Steve said, it's okay. There'll be something else. So then came the search team. And I was like, I got this. I've been here around. I helped hire Wayne. I got this. Yeah, did not know anything. And about three meetings in, I thought, oh, I am in over my head. But you know what? Jessica and Dave and Aaron and Carrie and I worked as a team. And where one of us had strength, the other had a weakness. And where one of us had a weakness, the others had strength. And God led us all in unity to find the candidates that we came down to. And you know I've said it before. It's my fault. He was a little bit in a panic when we sent two candidates to the district. He's a little worried. And I said, nope. I've been praying for God to make this idiot proof. And he did. Scott's our guy. Dave loves being on the spot. Um, yeah, I mean, in the first service I just mentioned about um, just the Burns family coming here is just just a tre- tremendous evidence of uh, the move of God. Um, but uh, also, I just think uh, Summit Three, the outcomes coming out of that. Um, you know, before that, it seemed like like you know, Carrie's talking about these trains going off in different directions. Um, and then just the focus on, on outreach coming out of, um, you know, reaching out to the community that came out of Summit 3, um, to me, was um, one of the most transformational uh, parts of, of the journey uh, through the last um, 14 or 20 months, whatever you want to say. So, anyway, yeah, the Summit 3 outcomes were a huge transformational thing for our church. Thanks, Dave. Do you have a next one? Well, thank you. Uh, my name's uh, Carlos Quiroz. Uh, in case, uh, the only reason I say that, there's some people here that I don't recognize, so they probably don't know me. Um, I was on the transition team, along with uh, five other people. I can't follow directions. Oh, no, no, that's okay. Well, I wasn't aware of the directions, so that doesn't count. Anyway, um, and... Uh, Okay, before I joined the transition team, first I prayed a lot about it, and uh, because, uh, to be honest with you, I was in shock <laughs> 20 months ago when Bud left, and, uh, but I know that I was planted in this church 33 years ago, and Bud was kind of like my mentor, a friend, and it really was hurtful, but now I've gone beyond that, and really the transition team helped me a lot. 
uh, and I have a renewed uh, vigor, I guess you would say, for uh, our place in Hillsboro as a church because we were so centered around uh, Bud's ministry and kind of unbeknownst to a lot of us. Uh, anyway, so the before was uh, kind of like uh, uh, what does God want me to do? And now the after is I know what he wants me to do. He wants me to stay where I'm planted and to help Scott who we prayed for for a long time <laughs> to uh, lead us in uh, our uh, going forward. And uh, I feel very good about it. Uh, the other thing is I'm in a uh, small group ministry well, along, uh, you know, that's another thing I do. But that's kind of my main ministry. Thanks, Carlos. Do we have one more? I better do this right, otherwise Quentin Tarantino's going to come out and yell at me. <laughs> where, do, where, where do I start? Uh, I was going to keep this short and sweet to the point because my stomach is growling. Um, over 22, 23 months ago, this whole, start, this whole thing started with a conversation. One conversation led to another, led to another, and a realization was determined. Whoever thought what we had gone through would bring us to this day, we, uh, you know, Bud left the church. I mean, we were all hurting. Every one of us had a special relationship with Bud, and uh, we were all hurting. And then Steve comes along. He doesn't know us. We don't know him. And together, we grew. Together, we arrived here today. Sometimes, I'll use the term I used to use with Bud taking me into leadership, but sometimes kicking and screaming, sometimes having 10 o'clock phone conversations. Thank you very much. All right, how many of you guys had those conversations? Come on, we've had a few of us around here, yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'm very thankful. How, did God, how has God worked in my heart? He's taken me, I, like Sam and I, both backed away from leadership for a while. During the second summit, God put it on my heart to get back in the game. And, and, and I did. And I'm thankful for Steve seeing some things in me that uh, he guided me through uh, leadership growth. And I'm very, very uh, appreciative of that. And I think I can take that into the future in helping this church reach out to the community of Hillsboro. And that's what I'm really, 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 really looking forward to. So thank you. Thanks, Mark, and everybody. You know, the, as, as we're coming to a close in this transition season and, and looking to bring Scott in, we, we, as the search team and as, you know, me reaching out to others, did some soul searching to say, hey, what, you know, what's going on? We were sending Scott a diagnostic report from a, from a weekend where Vital Church came out, gosh, eight months before, and there was murmurs of, hey, I, you know, I wonder if we're even the same church in some of these areas. It seems like we've maybe grown out of some of these descriptors. A couple things that I heard referenced over and over 
one was a new sense of focus, right? To Carrie's point, I think the trains were all going in different directions 14 months ago, 20 months ago. And now through our summits and our prayer and our getting together and working things out like we have in direction. And then the other piece, to Mark's point of, of having all the elders step aside, we needed to bring in a whole new uh, set of leaders, a whole new season of leadership. And I feel like even in the beginning, we really didn't miss a beat. And then now we, we're doing more than we ever were with our leadership team. So with that, we come to a point where we're starting to look towards the future. Our candidate's here. He's, he's hired. This is, this is where we're going. And it, it's impossible to read through the Bible without noticing there is some distinct and powerful charge to pastors in that journey. But I feel like it's also important to recognize there's powerful charges to us as a congregation as a part of that. Right? If God has a call to a pastor to lead, there'll be a congregation, there, there'll be a call to the congregation on how to follow well. And I'm going to go through four of them today. First, I'll start you off with a couple of verses to tee up where I'm going. The first is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Now, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who worked hard amongst you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. The other verse is out of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. So with that, I have, I have four charges. I'll read through them, and then we'll go back and touch on each one. But the first one is that uh, we're called to respect our pastor as a leader. Respect him as a leader in your life. The second one is to bring joy to him and his family. The third is to live at peace with him. And the fourth is to pray for him. So that first charge, respect him as a leader in your life, that kind of looks like always holding him in high regard, both in his public life and in his private life, respecting that he's called to lead and to shepherd you. Let him lead you. Let him speak into your life and listen to those admonitions humbly so that you can hear if God has things to say to you on, through him. And in the end, your respectful re response will, will lead you to spiritual blessing. God set pastors and leaders over us to speak into us, but the word also speaks of a blessing from being humble and submitted to that authority. The second, second charge is to bring joy to his life, to love him and his wife well, to take a personal interest in them, to love on their kids, to pursue friendship and be hospitable with them, to learn about them, to love them well, and to find reasons to rejoice over them. The third call is to live at peace with him. 
I said this in the first service, you know, and if, if our congregation has 80 people in it and we have one roof, you have 80 sinners under one roof, the math doesn't work out all the time, you know what I mean? That's a lot of different perspectives and attitudes and needs and hurts and wants. And I'll just tell you this, it's impossible to make everybody happy. All, yeah. <laughs> What's that saying? You can't make... You can make some of them happy all the time and all of them happy some of the time. I don't know if you can make some of them happy all of the time. Do what you can to bring joy, uh, to have peace with him. There'll be times where your desires and your needs collide when you disagree. There'll be times where he maybe even makes a mistake or disappoints you. I know, shocking. These things will happen. Take time to come to him, to talk it out, to work it out, to own your piece of the junk when that stuff happens. Please don't make it difficult or be obstinate about it. Be a gracious follower. It will serve you well. And the fourth charge is to pray for him. I give you a few areas where you can think about praying for your leaders. Number one is for wisdom. There's a lot of areas in our culture where pastors need extraordinary wisdom right now in what they say and how they present the gospel and how they lead a religious organization in an overwhelmingly secular culture. There'll be all kinds of scenarios that Scott faces in the future where he will need wisdom on how to represent ABC and how to represent Jesus well. The second area you can pray for him is for strength, for physical strength, for health. This role can have a lot of emotional and spiritual stress to it. And at times he may feel overwhelmed. I think Dennis will talk about that a little in his segment of the charge to Scott, but be in prayer for that. A third area you can pray for is that Scott will find favor with people, both those in our congregation and those outside of our church community, that he would be a good ambassador for the gospel, that he would be received well by others, and that we, through him and him individually, would be seen as a blessing to the community. Maybe the last thing to pray over is spiritual protection for him and the family. Often pastors seem to be the target of spiritual attacks. And to help Scott with this, you can pray over his marriage, his health, his decisions, and his children. With that, there's a, there should be a piece of paper on all of your tables. It should say, Congregational Response. And we're going to read through this together. So what we'll do, we'll eat, read through each charge, take a quick pause, and then read through the next one, just one at a time. Pastor, we agree to respect and honor your God-given spiritual authority as our lead pastor. We agree to serve beside you to advance God's kingdom through the ministries of this church using the giftedness, time, and resources that God has given to each of us. We will encourage you in your work by affirming your calling, your leadership, and the vision towards which God calls us. 
We will pray diligently for you, asking for the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your preaching and teaching, in your counsel, and in your daily decision-making. We will pray for your marriage and your family, asking God to protect and strengthen them and to help you balance the demands of ministry with your home life. In an effort to keep you from being overworked or resentful of our demands on you, we will honor the needed boundaries for your rest and days off. We will develop friendships with you and your wife so you will feel connected, loved, and surrounded by people who genuinely care for you. We will not investigate or participate in rumors, gossip, factions, or disunity within the church, or, but instead bring our concerns directly to you or the appropriate leaders. We will give of our financial resources as God leads and enables so that you are well cared for and not anxious about financial matters. In short, we will do all we can to make your tenure here a blessing as we model the power of God's grace towards one another and towards those in our community and around the world. And with that, if I could bring up our strong leader, Dennis Poost, as he will have a charge to Scott. Thank you, Steve. I uh, want to begin my charge to Pastor Scott with just a welcome to the Alliance. We uh, want to welcome him to the Alliance family. We're glad you're part of us, Scott, and a part of ABC as well. But uh, the Alliance family is truly a family worldwide. And uh, you are coming into a family that's going to adopt you and love you and encourage you. And we're so delighted to have you with us. My wife and I had uh, coffee with he and Monica the other day and just really thoroughly enjoyed our time. And uh, just feel all the more it's going to be a great fit for you guys as well as for us in the Alliance. And uh, I love the church you've come from, but you've come to the right family, okay? <laughs> It's fun to have you here. In the Alliance Northwest, uh, our commitment is to be courageous followers of Jesus. And uh, that takes on all kinds of different looks. But, uh, you know, it takes courage to follow Jesus in our world. And uh, we want to do that faithfully in a way that honors him and honors the Lord. So uh, welcome to the journey, brother. We're glad that you and Monica and your family are with us on that. I want to just take a few moments to draw our attention to a passage in Hebrews chapter 12 uh, as I bring this charge to you, Scott, um, because it's not a typical pastoral epistle, but it has uh, a great illustration for us here that I think is very appropriate for a time like this. Uh, You see, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, the author basically begins this chapter with illustrating what he's going to say with uh, the idea of an athlete, or a coach, if you will, uh, coaching athletes in their personal regimen. And I think that this regimen of exercise and discipline is exactly uh, what we need to do as a pastor. And so uh, I'm just going to go through these rather quickly, these phrases and words that come from Hebrews chapter 12 uh, are a charge to you, Pastor Scott, uh, to take on this personal regimen as you pastor this church. The first, the first phrase is to throw off everything that hinders. Uh, discard what hinders 
is so critical in our life as a pastor, as a, as a follower of Jesus for any of us, it's very critical uh, to throw off the stuff that hinders because we all have stuff in our life that hinders us. Attitudes, behaviors, pride, denial, all kinds of things that cause that. Uh, sins that easily entangle us if we're not careful, and it won't do you or your church any good if you are not consistently making sure that you're taking a good look at what's inside so that you can throw aside the stuff that uh, otherwise would hinder. The picture here is of an athlete who's ready now to go out on the track and run or go out on the course uh, or get onto the court. They have to strip off their their, uh, um, warm-up uh, outfit in order to do that so they're not encumbered by all of that so they throw that stuff aside anything that's going to hinder and then they're ready for the race uh, I just want to encourage you Pastor Scott to be a person who does that on a regular basis looking inward letting God help you see the stuff that's might be hidden that's there in the shadows so that as you deal with that God will indeed equip you and, and empower you to lead well uh, I said in the earlier service as well, uh, we, have, we like to partner in our district office with churches in this regard. One of the hats I wear is church health and pastoral health. And uh, we, we have a firm belief that if we have healthy pastors, we are more likely to have healthy churches. Uh, so we try to put our money where our mouth is, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but we put $50 a month toward any of our licensed workers to see a counselor or a spiritual director on a monthly basis. Uh, the reason it's 50 bucks is we really want to encourage the church to partner with us and maybe throw in another $50 to make sure that your pastor can go see a counselor every month or a spiritual director, somebody who can walk with him in the inner journey of his life so that he's bound to be more healthy than otherwise. Uh, And we just think that that's a good partnership to develop with you. So that's our commitment, Brother Scott. And uh, I hope this church will be able to partner with us in that as well and uh, make sure that you are uh, aligned with somebody that can walk with you in that journey. Throwing aside the hindrances is critical to being a courageous follower of Jesus. Uh, the second one I find in this passage in verse 1, the second half, uh, there in chapter 12 of Hebrews, is to run with perseverance. It's really go the distance, you know. Uh, pastoring and ministry, church work, and following Jesus is not a sprint, right? It's a long-term marathon. We're on this journey for for our whole life, hopefully, and uh, hopefully Scott's ministry here will be a long time. And I just want to encourage you, Scott, to be a pastor who runs the race with that in mind. Be, be a person that perseveres. you got to go the distance. you got to keep pressing on. Uh, you can't be a quitter. You can't become lazy. you got to get in the trenches with your people and love them deeply and walk through all the muck and mire and up the hills and over the mountains and all that good stuff. Um, in order to do that, uh, there will be times when you hit the wall, right, like an athlete. You're like, oh, I'm just exhausted. You may need a sabbatical. You may need some time and and rest for sure. Um, But when we hit those long seasons where we hit the wall, we just really do have to sometimes pick up and keep going and work our way through that wall, whether it's a conflict in the church or whatever the situation may be. Uh, Just this last summer, uh, my two oldest sons and I, we're hiking the Pacific Crest through Oregon over the summers. We started a few years ago, and this last summer, 
Uh, just a couple months ago, we hiked 100 miles on the Pacific Crest Trail, and 10 miles of that was snow. It was crazy. Oh, man, it was tough. And then, and then we come to the end of a long, long day, and sure enough, the trail like takes us way up over this ridge. And uh, yeah, talk about hitting the wall. Uh, we just had to keep putting one foot in front of the other, you know, and eventually we got over that ridge and had a great camp night that night. So God will do that with you and for you as you run the race with perseverance. So you want to pace yourself. You can't be like Scott. You can't be the interim, okay? I mean, like Steve. You actually got to sleep. <laughs> yeah, get, get rest, and uh, God will renew your soul. But you have to press on through those things. Another one here is uh, in verse 2. It says to fix your eyes on Jesus. I, I love the focus. The focus is on Christ. He's the center of all that we do, all that we are. And uh, it's, it's all about what Christ wants to do in us and among us. And uh, so you'll want to keep your focus on him and him alone. You know, I like to think that it's important that we learn to rest. We, I'm sorry, we, need, we, we learn to work from our rest rather than just always press on to rest from our work. If, if you will spend time being renewed in your journey with Jesus and focusing your heart on him and you work out of that place of being rested in him and your soul is at peace with him, um, it's amazing what God will do to empower you. I love our heritage in the Alliance. Christ is the center of all that we are about and uh, would remind you that uh, we are here to promote the name of Jesus, not our own agenda and to focus on him and not get distracted. Ministry can have all kinds of distractions, but staying glued to Jesus and being in, engaged in a life with him will uh, allow you to serve your family here very well and to bring to them all that he wants to bring. Sit often at the feet of Jesus. I know you do that on a regular basis, and I just want to encourage you to continue to do that. Down in verse 7 of this passage, uh, there's another phrase. It says, endure hardships. Yeah, I wish ministry was easy. Don't we all? <laughs> we all wish it would be easy, but it's not. It's all about bringing the name of Jesus to a hurting world that's broken, and that gets really messy, doesn't it? We have to press on through those, endure those hard things. And, and here, the athletic term, the idea is be disciplined by those hardships. Learning how to handle the defeats is sometimes much more important than all the victories that we celebrate. Because enduring those hardships really molds us in a way that only those hardships can I'm reminded that hardships can either make us bitter or better. And there are times when I'm really tempted to let a hardship make me bitter. But God wants the hard things to make me better, more like Christ, to lean into my dependence on Jesus. So let me encourage you, Pastor Scott, to endure the hardships. Let it shape you as a person as only God can shape you in those kinds of moments. You think of Jesus who went through the crucifixion for us, right? Died for us. But what was his posture facing that hardship? Release. Humility. Being a servant. Being obedient to the Father's plan. 
that can be our posture in hard times, and God will grow us to be a better person like Jesus rather than becoming bitter. And lastly, Pastor Scott, my challenge would be from verses 14 and 15 in this passage. It's, it, it, the, the wording there is, make every effort to live at peace. It goes on to say, to be holy and to see that no one misses the grace of God. I love that phrase in the New International Version. The, the way I've captured what I think the author is trying to help us understand here is live the gospel. Let it ooze out of your life in every relationship you have. And as you do that, when people get to know you and when you, they bump into you, they will bump smack into the grace of God. If we're living the gospel, if we're practicing what we preach, if, if we're breathing and eating and sleeping the gospel, people can't help but see the grace of God in us. Reminds me of an athlete who goes to bed with their with the basketball in their lap, right, their, their, their arm, or the, the athlete that's walking around dribbling the ball everywhere he goes, or throwing the football, because, because living with that piece of athletic sport equipment becomes very important if they're going to succeed in that. And I think the gospel is that for us. We want to, we want to just handle and hold this gospel and let it ooze in all of our life and in our, everything that we do. We want to live and breathe and eat and sleep the gospel so that we can courageously live it in our world in a way that people will run into the grace of God when they see us and know us. So there's a great challenge here to find the regiment that is for an athlete who follows Jesus courageously in this world. And those words are so gripping. I trust, Pastor Scott, you will be a person who will indeed be one who discards what hinders. You'll go the distance. You'll be a person who focuses on Christ. You'll endure the hard times. And you'll live and breathe the gospel. Would you come up and join me here? There are a few more statements I want to read to you. And in front of your wonderful congregation here, I'd like to... uh, have you have an opportunity to respond to them uh, while I read these to you. So, Pastor Scott, will you commit to following, faithfully following Jesus to pursue a life of holiness and purity? Will you soak your mind and your heart in the Word of God, listening and responding to the Holy Spirit? With God's help, I will. Scott, will you commit to growing in how you model what it looks like to be a mature follower of Jesus? As a man, a husband, a father, a friend, a supervisor, a pastor, a teacher, a leader, will you learn to be quick to allow the grace and truth of Jesus to dominate how you interact with others? With God's help, I will. Will you commit to making disciples that make disciples? So there will be a clear model here of disciple-making for others to follow in whatever stage of life they might be. With God's help, I will. Will you commit to a vision and a mission for this church that includes your town, your region, the world, the nations of our world, and will you commit to model personally what it looks like to engage with people who are far from God? With God's help, I will. Scott, as you well know, our world is broken. Mm -hmm. 
Our world is full of people that are desperate for love and light. Will you commit to faithfully teaching and living the Word of God? Will you guard this family, church family, from harmful teaching without compromise, even when there's pressure to conform to cultural norms? With God's help, I will. Will you commit yourself to loving this congregation, giving the best of what you have to meet her deepest needs, prayerfully, earnestly praying for her and nurturing this family like a good spiritual dad? With God's help, I will. I believe that's your heart. And with God's grace and empowering presence, may it be so. I'm going to give you a few moments to uh, give us a little more of a response, and then we'll pray for you and your family. (laughs) They're saying, we're going to read you these things, you have to say, with God's help, I will. And every time he reads one of them, I just want to be like, yes! Uh, So, so yeah, Monica and I have, have talked a lot. Um, and the candidate weekend, coming here, getting to spend time with you, going home, and, and then receiving the call to, to express the invitation uh, to come and be the pastor here. I looked at Monica, and you know, I've been a part of a lot of different churches, especially some larger churches. And when you take a job with the church, you just kind of, you walk into the church and you just kind of slot into the giant machine. And people are glad you're there, but you just, you just kind of jump in and, and do your thing. Um, and I remember looking at Monica and just saying, you know, with, with this church, having been here, experienced the way you love one another, care for one another, what God's been doing here, I really felt like it was like someone coming to me with a family and saying, hey, would you take over this family? Would you care for them? Would you love them? And so it feels a bit like an adoption to me, um, although I'm too young to be the parent in the adoption process. <laughs> but, um, but just, I, I feel the weight of responsibility of what you've cultivated here. I hear your loves and your desires. I hear the fears and the anxieties and the hurts and the worries. And I just get excited to come in and be a part of this healing journey together. Um, all of those things I just promised, there, there are two things that, that, I mean, they dominate my life. And they're the two things that I want to say as, as we start here. And the first is, I promise that Jesus comes first. Um, he is the most important thing in my life. He will be the most important thing in my life. And I'm sorry, but that means there's going to be times when I'm going to choose him over you. Amen. And that, that's my goal, um, is to put him first. The other side of it is, you know, we're right here in the middle of Hillsborough. And God has put this church here because he has a heart for this community. And so God wants to mobilize this church to be outreaching the community around about us. And so it will be hard. It will be uncomfortable. But that's the mandate God's given this church. And I take the responsibility of helping lead us that direction. Um, And at times we're not going to like it. But I promise you, If you do the things that God wants to do, and if you allow him to use you as his instrument to reach this community, though it will be uncomfortable, you'll experience more joy and wholeness and fulfillment than you've ever experienced in your life. And uh, so I don't want to say much more than that because you get to listen to me for a long while yet. Um, And so we'll start that next week. But I just want to say thank you. And we're so excited to be here and, and be a part of what God wants to do. Yeah. 
Well, we're going to invite Monica to come and join uh, Pastor Scott, and we'll put ask them to stand right here if they would. Come on forward, Monica. And if you're on the search team, I would encourage you to come, please. And uh, we're going to kind of spread out here so we can honor the COVID restrictions. But uh, we'd like to pray over them. And uh, if you would join us by standing, would you please do that? And uh, if, you would, if you feel comfortable extending your hand this direction toward them, uh, we would encourage you to do that. Uh, I'm going to ask Kim if you would pray as well, um, and then uh, I'll pray for them as well. Okay? Go ahead, Kim. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this couple. Amen. Thank you for the changes that you have wrought in this church and in, wrought in them to bring us together so that we might, as a team, go out into your, your world and make a difference for you. Lord, thank you. Bless them. Keep your hand firmly upon them. In Jesus' name. You know, Father, we recognize this morning that you call and place gifts such as Scott and Monica amongst us in the church. For that, we rejoice together today, and we do pray especially that for Monica and their family, she would just see your hand at work in very special ways and that you would, pre, you would just continue to protect and guide and provide and lead them. And for Pastor Scott, as, as he takes up the role here uh, in this congregation as lead pastor, we pray, O oh God, that you will indeed give him favor everywhere he goes, favor with us as a congregation, favor with the people in the community, favor with, with everyone that he would meet out there, neighbors and, and, and community leaders and other pastors and people around this neighborhood. And we pray, O oh Father, that, that he would just, everywhere he goes and puts his hand to, that he would see the favor of God blessing and leading and guiding Father, thank you for using him already to bring a sense of uh, future hope. And I pray that you would continue to fill him with dreams and hope for the future. And I pray that as he leads and guides this congregation, you will give him wisdom and courage and love. And that you would empower him afresh and in, in a new way by the presence and strength of your spirit. Oh God, I pray that he would just be filled with your spirit and empowered by you. And together we might watch you write your story in ABC and here in Hillsborough to the glory of Christ. May it bring you great glory what you want to accomplish. We pray and pray that you would just uh, fill him and empower him in every way necessary to lead effectively. May his communion with you be very, very sweet in this season of life and ministry. So we commit ourselves to you, we commit ourselves to you and to our pastor, and we commit them to you, and pray that you would bless in the season ahead. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.